Welcome to the Call Me By Your Game podcast. This is your host, Connor McCabe, and I am back uh, on short notice, on surprise notice, on no notice really, uh, to record another episode. Uh, I initially had no plans to do an episode uh, for this week. Um, Truth be told, we have about four or five in the bag already that we haven't released but um, because it is, you know, the holidays, Christmas break, I figured I'd give everyone a little breaky break from the pod. Um, however, uh, when I discussed this with Jeremy, he actually suggested that it might be fun to record a little holiday special episode. So I figured, why the heck not? Everyone else gives in to the holidays and Christmas. Why don't I sell out like the rest of them? I want that, I want that chunk of Santa's change that I know everybody else is getting. Uh, yeah, that's self-explanatory. Uh, so I decided, you know, a holiday episode sounds wonderful. Um, so thank you for listening. Um, if you've never listened to the show, this is going to be completely different than most of our episodes. Uh, most of the time, I have a guest on the podcast to talk about a game that is special to them. We dive into what they love about not only the game, but what was special to them about the experience around the game that they played. Um, so far, we have released uh, four episodes of four amazing guests. Uh, this one is going to be a little different. It's just going to be me. And I decided I wanted to talk about my favorite video game experiences around the holiday season um, and Christmas time, Christmas Day, a lot of Christmas. A lot of Christmas Day highlights uh, is what you're going to see on this uh, episode of the podcast. So, uh, yeah, that's basically what we're going to be doing today. Um, You also, if you are a uh, new viewer, listener, you know that we normally have a video companion podcast that I release of my guest and I uh, playing through usually what ends up being the first 30 minutes of whatever game they choose to talk about. Um, This usually lives on our YouTube channel. We will not have a video companion to this episode because it's just me talking about my personal highlights from the holidays. Uh, um, And also, if there was a video component to this, it would be uh horrifying because it would be just a shot of me to get full disclosure right now i'm recording in my room at my apartment in los angeles i'm recording both on my iphone which is on a little tripod thing pointed towards my throttle area which you know all, all the sound people out there know it's a great spot to uh the best spot to record to because that's where your rich deep sounds come from uh but also uh there is an imac and we have a little blanket draped over uh, us. Uh, by us, I mean me and the technology. Um, so, and I'm sitting in a chair. So and I've got uh, I've got a dad's here. I've got a water. Um, I've got a couple of Pokemon figurines that I found over Thanksgiving break at my parents' house. I've, and I've got my a little, a little, little guy I'll talk about a little later. Um, anyway, uh, you don't want to see a video of that, so there will be no video companion. Also, if you're a new listener, you'll know I go on tangents, so just be ready for that. Um, anyway, uh, let's go ahead and just jump in. Um, like I have mentioned before, the holiday season, specifically for me, Christmas time, you know, growing, I, I grew up, my family celebrated Christmas growing up. Um, they, we, we still do. Um, but anyway, uh, so most of my, uh, memories that you're going to hear are going to be focused around, uh, Christmas day as in Christmas season, a lot of Christmas break content on here too. Um, I, uh, 
was trying to think of like exactly what I wanted to share. And like I said earlier, I um, have mentioned before that um, Christmas break this season is synonymous with video games for me. And I don't think I'm alone. I'm sure many people out there, you know, seeing a few weeks come up, uh, especially as a young kid in school, um, a lot of us were, you know, excited for time off in general, time to spend with your family, time to spend with your friends, extra time to hang out. Um, uh, you know, you're off of school. You don't have to think about it, especially if like you had a semester that ended before Christmas break, which I didn't always have, but usually, obviously it's an incredible time. It's a time of escape. It's kind of like a mini summer break. Um, that also included for myself growing up just some good time to sink your teeth into video games. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, I spent so much time over every winter and still to this day, you know, as an, as an adult who doesn't have like a traditional Christmas break, I'm not a teacher. I work at a restaurant. So we work, you know, year round. There's no like a real time off. Um, but it's still a thing that is part of my life. I can look back and some memories I'm even going to share on this show. The most recent one is from 2016, three years ago. So not too long. So this isn't something that disappeared for me. And I'm sure a lot of you out there who still play video games, uh, uh, same goes for you. Um, but we're going to get a little nostalgic on this podcast and just look back at, uh, what ended up being my top six, uh, Christmas time, holiday time, video game memories. And we'll call this the Connors Holiday Special. Um, so it's basically just going to be me rambling and just I'm thinking about what made some of these little, little mini moments special. Of course, all these games are still, you know, on limits for my guests to choose. Um, none of them have been chosen yet. Uh, some of them won't even be games. They'll be just like general, you know, moments and experiences, but you'll, you'll see what that looks like. Uh, first sip of my dad's. Uh, great. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, uh, my drink of choice is what I call a dad's, which stands for uh, dad's angry drink, uh, which is an acronym obvi- obviously for dad. I'm surprised, honestly, that it took four episodes. Well, actually, this is the fifth one uh, <laughs> deep into this podcast for me to talk about this, but it's basically just a whiskey diet. So I got that and a water ready to go. So uh, just expect uh, some sip breaks as I let you contemplate the stuff I'm talking about. Um, anyway, let's go ahead and just get started. Uh, the first one that I wanted to talk about, the first memory of my holiday special, um, has to do with uh, Christmas 2000, specifically getting the game Pokemon Silver. Um, uh, if you're listening to this show, um, uh, here's a little uh, preview, a little hint. Uh, our next episode that we're going to release, uh, don't know if that's going to be this next week for New Year's or the week after, is going to talk about Pokemon Red and Blue. Uh, Jake Spray came on the podcast. We recorded a super fun show. So we're going to talk about that. Um, but that means you haven't heard me share like the beginning of my Pokemon experience and like the fun that I had with those games. But long story short, Pokemon Silver was the second... Uh, was part of the second generation uh, duo of games that came out for Pokemon. Obviously, the first games were a cultural phenomenon. Um, the the anime was huge. Toy sales were crazy. They had Game Boy, not only the Game Boy games, they came out with a sequel that matched the anime. It was enormous. And I was fully on board. I mean, I was the prime age for this sort of thing. I was eight. I think it came. Pokemon got brought to the United States in, I think, 1998. And I was eight years old. I mean, I was prime for that. I didn't play it till 99, but 
I was totally on board. I I remember for my uh, birthday, uh, the year the first Pokemon movie came out in 1999, I got to bring a few friends to the movie movies, and it was like the moment of our lives. Like Pokemon was on the big screen. It was truly nothing could ever get better. Um, so I was, you know, fully, fully just as as big of a pokey head as you could be at that time for that original 151. Um so by the time Pokemon Silver came out, I was ready for it. I was so ready for a new Pokemon journey, for new Pokemon. Uh I and I eventually, you know, I asked for it for Christmas 2000, the year it came out, I asked for Pokemon Silver because my best friend Eddie wanted Pokemon Gold. So like when these games would come out, we would usually like plan who was going to get what um, I don't remember whoever even like if I, th- I don't know if Eddie was like I want gold and I decided to get silver or what, but I had to have that game. Um, anyway, got that game Christmas Day, huge, uh, huge moment for me. Uh, so excited about it. I remember uh, devouring like every moment of that game that I could. Uh, most of the time on Christmas for me, Christmas Day. Obviously, I'm even to this day. I'll like I will ask for video games for presents when my parents are like, hey, is there anything you're interested in this year? And I will always at least be like, yeah, a video game or so, or like something like that. Um, But I still usually don't really play that much games on Christmas Day. I try to uh, like lend more of that time to, you know, spending time with my family and friends if I'm lucky enough uh, or uh, and also, of course, watching basketball. Got those five NBA games, they will be on uh, all day at my house. But Anyway, but this particular time when Pokemon Silver came out, I just dove right in and I couldn't help myself. It was like I had been just waiting for this for so long because the game came out in October. So, uh, and my birthday was in November. I don't know why I didn't ask for it for my birthday, but um, any maybe it was because Eddie wasn't going to get it till Christmas. I don't know, but anyway, um, I remember uh, playing this game so much. I remember um, I had gotten. F- to Goldenrod City in that game the first day that I had it, which is, uh, if you're familiar with Pokemon, where the third gym leader, Whitney, is with her mill tank, uh, her famous mill tank that knows uh, rollout, which is devastating to new trainers. Um, I remember I got that far, which is like probably for me at that time, I don't know, it was, I let's just say I played that game for a long time. This is something that would have taken like six to eight hours probably. Um, I remember loving, I remember choosing Cyndaquil as my Pokemon for, uh, Silver. That was the starter that I chose, uh, still one of my favorites. And I remember Mareep made, uh, its appearance in that game and Mareep and Ampharos are some of my favorite Pokemon to this day. And in fact, Pokemon Silver is my favorite Pokemon game of all time. And it's not really close. Second place is probably red and blue. Um, because, you know, those games were prime for when I was, uh, for like our age range when I was growing up, but I love silver. Of course, the coolest thing about that game, at least my, what I think was the coolest thing was after you beat the main quest, which is, you know, going through Johto, getting your eight gym badges, which, you know, show your, uh, you are worthy as a trainer to go and compete in the Pokemon league. Um, after you beat the Pokemon league, the game's not over like you think it's going to be like the first. Uh, if you've never played this game, they send you back and you basically get to revisit uh, the original continent from the first games, Red and Blue, uh, just three years later. And eventually at the end of the game, you get to fight the 
basically your character from red and blue ash or red or whatever you want to call call them but uh it's still my favorite pokemon game i love the remake on the ds and i really want a let's go remake of this i'm i was hoping from the success of pokemon let's go pikachu and eevee we might get like a meryl and togepi for silver anyway uh that's all i have to say about the uh about christmas 2000 pokemon silver I'm sure I played other video games that year, but that's all I really remember. Um, oh, and last thing about that, I have to share this. I remember um, we went to – so my family is all from St. Louis. I grew up in Northern California, Modesto. My mom's side is from St. Louis. So I have plenty of memory, video game memories I'm sure I'll get into on this show of playing with my family back there. But I remember we visited my family that year. So thankfully this, po- this game being on the Game Boy, I got to take it with me. And I remember uh, finding Lugia when I was like – I stayed up. Like past my, I was like supposed to be asleep, but I was staying on my aunt's couch when we were visiting. My shout out to uh, my aunt Becky. This is uh, starting the shout outs on the pod. Um, but I remember staying up past my bedtime and like using a warm light and finding Lugia and just being blown away. Uh, yeah, so that 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 I'll actually cap it there. <laughs> the Pokemon Silver talk. Um, the next one that I want to talk about um, is, let's see, what do I want to do? I've got five more to choose from. Uh, all right, I will go, we'll just go in order for the most part, with the exception of the last one I'm going to share. But the next one I want to talk about is Christmas 2001, just a year later, and the launch of the Nintendo GameCube. Uh, so the GameCube came out, uh, it was Nintendo's third main console, came out, uh, it was after, or fourth, excuse me, after the Nintendo Entertainment System, the SNES, N64, and then this. And um, by the time this game came out, I was fully, uh, had ownership of like, I mean, ownership of my own enjoyment of console gaming. Growing up, I, my family, uh, my parents, for as long as I can remember, have had a, a Nintendo, the original system. Um, we never had a Super Nintendo, just skipped over that. But then I got, uh, we'll talk about N64 a little bit later. I ended up getting one as, at, for Christmas as a kid. Um, so that was my first console. So by the time GameCube rolled around, I was fully like in it and was in interested in games and was like reading Nintendo Power and finding out about new games. Um, so I was like, I wasn't ready for the N64 launch, even though that was my first console. I was ready for this. Uh, and it came out in 2001. Um, and I remember, I think I asked for it like a little late or I wasn't sure if I wanted it, uh, for whatever reason or I don't remember. I all, long story short, I did not get a GameCube for Christmas this year. Which growing up, I was like as privileged as a kid as you can get. Like if I really wanted something for Christmas, chance and it wasn't too crazy, like or it was reasonable enough. Chances are, I would be lucky enough to get a nice visit from Santa Claus. Uh, but I did not get a GameCube, and I kind of knew I wasn't going to get one. I want to say maybe it was like hard to find too, which is you know not surprising from Nintendo having like very poor availability at a launch, but I, I really can't say that for sure. So I don't want to say whether or not that's true. Um, but I was so obsessed with the GameCube and so excited about it coming out. I remember seeing the Luigi's Mansion Nintendo Power cover being pumped for Super Smash Brothers, a new Rogue Squadron-like game and Rogue Leader. Uh, anyway, it I didn't get one, but I remember I did get, f- from the money that I had saved from my birthday um in november and the money i'd gotten from family members 
and had saved from like, I don't know, doing chores around the house, I was basically really close to earning enough money to buy a GameCube. Um, the problem was, I want to say we, they really weren't available because I did not get one until after Christmas break that year. And I was in, you know, I was a fifth grader. Um, but even though I didn't get to play the GameCube, like have my own, a couple things happened. One, my best friend Eddie got a him and his brother Alex got a GameCube. So I remember getting permission was so excited about this console, like had to know and experience everything about it. I remember getting permission from my mom to call Eddie on Christmas um, and talk about what we got for Christmas. But really what I wanted was to know about the GameCube and what was the GameCube like? Like, was it as cool as like we had heard? Because uh, this was like the second generation of 3D consoles. This is when like... Kind of like how the uh, original Nintendo, I feel like, established what the real structure and backbone of many types of games were going to look like. And the SNES refined that. Um, Because that was mostly 2D games, I feel like the N64 and GameCube have the same sort of roles in, uh, at least in Nintendo's uh, history as far as game development goes. So GameCube... The GameCube basically refined what the N64 had established uh, and expanded on it. So I was so pumped. I remember talking to Eddie and hearing all about the GameCube and Super Smash. I remember they had unlocked a few characters. I remember him telling me about how uh, – about a character – must have been like Martha Roy that they unlocked, which I knew because the Nintendo Power was still like so foreign to me. Um, and I remember uh, – we got to hang out the next day. I got to go over to Eddie and Alex's house. Uh, and I remember the first time I saw the Super Smash opening cinematic um, being legitimately blown away. And because that – obviously that wasn't the same graphics that we used in the game, but the game's graphics were still pretty good. And I remember a couple things. I remember thinking that video games will never get better than this. This is as perfect as they can get. And I also remember uh, <laughs> when I watched it for the first time, like like part of the way through it, when Mario is being turned from a trophy into like a live action Mario, I re- remember because Eddie uh, always reminds me of it, me it, it being completely sincere and saying, as I'm watching the cinematic, saying, it's a movie, <laughs> and just being so excited for this game and what was to come. I remember even before I was able to save up money and get a GameCube, I knew I wanted to have a second controller. The GameCube only came with one. So all of that Christmas break, um, I remember going to Target because my family would like, if we wanted to spend Christmas money, we would go to like Best Buy and Target and stuff like that or the mall. Uh, like the day after Christmas or the days after to shop, like, you know, I think many American families would. Um, and I remember, of course, I didn't have money to buy a GameCube yet. But I did have money to buy a GameCube controller. So I bought, I had a purple GameCube, the Indigo one, but I bought a black GameCube controller and opened up the, I had to take it out of the package. And all Christmas break, I remember when I wasn't at Eddie's house able to play this thing, I would just like have that thing in my hands and be like learning the feel of it, like learning the shoulder buttons, how they were uh, analog shoulders. They could like press in and out, the feeling the two control sticks, which was a new thing. That was so cool. So one of the memories that I'm sharing today has to do with me not even having the uh, GameCube. Um, 
the next thing that I want to talk about is I, as I was going through this, I made kind of a list as like I was trying to think of what exactly I wanted to talk about. And something that came up uh, several times, um, uh, yeah, more, more than twice, uh, was, of course, Zelda games. Uh, Zelda is probably my favorite game franchise. Uh, I, I've i played all of the live-action... Uh, live-action, what am I talking about? <laughs> all of the 3D console Zeldas and beaten all of them. I haven't played, finished through... Uh, Oracle of Ages or Seasons. I haven't, I've never finished or even played Spirit Tracks, Phantom Hourglass, or Minish Cap, and most of the Four Swords games I barely have touched. But, or in the original two, Zelda and Zelda 2, I've barely, I've played a little bit, but I've gotten, honestly, usually I get tired of both of those and I don't have the patience for them. But anyway, the Zelda is my favorite franchise. I know a lot of the 3D ones um, very, very well. And jokingly with people, like I can pl- I swear I can play through Ocarina of Time like in my head, um, which is just the worst thing I've ever said out loud. Uh, anyway, uh, Zelda is all uh, all uh, involved in my uh, Christmas time gaming. The first one that I want to talk about that I remember was getting... Um, the Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, which came out in 2006, the year the Wii launched. Um, that game, I remember playing, uh, all of Christmas break. This was one of the Christmases where my grandparents, uh, Royce and Lucille, my mom's parents from St. Louis were like, would come out maybe, I don't know, every maybe five or six years, they would spend Christmas with my family in Modesto. Um, but I remember them being there and getting the Wii, uh, and what I'll talk about later. But I remember playing so much Twilight Princess. It was the first time my mom had to be like, Connor, your grandparents are in town. You need to turn this off and spend time with them. And it was a real, real reality check from my mom. From my mom. Um, but I absolutely loved Twilight Princess. Um, it, of course, it was one of those huge games that it took me past uh, Christmas break in high school uh, to even beat it. Uh, but I loved that game. Seeing, you know, 3D Zelda just taking the next level was amazing. Um, the second one that I want to talk about is Skyward Sword, uh, from 2011, also on the Wii. Um, this, when I played this game for the first time and completed it, I immediately thought it was my favorite Zelda of all time. Um, that is like, which is definitely not a commonly held, uh, belief i would say most people would say like link to the past breath of the wild or ocarina some say wind waker some say mojora twilight princess stands are out there link between worlds but this was mine for a little bit um it was so cool because this is when the wii motion plus had come out so the wii mote was uh had, had what i would describe as like a moderate improvement in the wii's motion sensor which of course was the whole gimmick for the or the whole like draw point of the system itself so you know link's sword would be more realistic to how you would actually wave the remote around it would be reflected in his sword on the screen and of course it didn't always work so well there are some parts in that game that are incredibly frustrating because the um controls are so poor and poorly calibrated um but that said i love this game this game i remember just getting completely sucked into it sucked into the narrative um i remember having to buy i mean i went out and bought like the little at motion plus add-on the day after christmas so i can play this game and 
Um, I remember playing, uh, loving the dungeons, loving the storytelling, eventually getting to the part where you realize you can actually go back in time and visit Hyrule, which, you know, is not a new thing in a Zelda game at all. Um, but, uh, but it was still cool. And I loved the effects on the world, uh, in the old, like, uh, Hyrule. Um, yeah, so Skyward Sword, uh, is still one of my favorite Zeldas. I've only played through it one more time since then. Um, I did that before the Breath of the Wild came out. Uh, but yeah, moving on to my next Zelda game I want to briefly touch on, which is A Link Between Worlds. Came out in 2013 for the 3DS, but I played it on the 2DS. I did not get a 3DS until X and Y Pokemon games came out that fall. So I had a 2DS, so I asked for Link Between Worlds for Christmas that year, and I got it. And this is, um, one of those games that was like a savior for me on holiday travel. Uh, this was a year where, in which we would do every other year, we would go back and visit my mom's family in St. Louis. We we're all, we're really close, tight knit family. So, and we were, you know, in a place where we could afford to travel every other year to St. Louis. So we got to do that. But, um, playing video games on flights was, uh, nothing new to me, but this game in particular was like the best game that I've played through the majority of on a flight for the first time and being I remember being totally just sucked into the game I had never played Link to the Past up until that point or at least finished the game I had at least I've uh, played through like two-thirds of it at that time but this was like even for me a refreshing uh revisit to the Link to the Past's uh geography of Hyrule because obviously this is a game where um it's the same layout it's just kind of like a re I don't, not a retelling or a remaster of Link to the Past, but it, it just uses that same area and kind of turns the game on its head and is a great companion to that game. Um, but I remember totally loving that, totally being on board for uh, the beautiful graphics, the whole new thing about this game where Link could paste himself against a wall by turning into like a 2D little picture version of himself. And that's how he'd also go between worlds and the little cracks between universes. Um, love this game. I remember being completely blown away by the end. I did not see the end coming. That's probably because I didn't really play much of Link to the Past. Um, and also, if I'm being honest with myself, I'm oftentimes surprised by surprises in games and movies because I'm just totally sucked into that stuff and I don't predict it. Um, honorable mention for Zelda games that I want to throw out there was playing Ocarina of Time on the also on my 2DS when I got it on the virtual console over Christmas of 2016 and uh, played that on my travels to and from St. Louis that year. Um, that was a quick dad dad's break sponsored by Coke Zero and Evan Williams. Um, they are uh, real sponsors for the show now. I'm just pretending. Uh, the next one I want to talk about is in 2006, and that is the Nintendo Wii. Uh, I remember uh, having to have a Wii. Uh, obviously, that system was a complete phenomenon, but I remember going over to my youth pastor's house in uh, high school and him playing Twilight Princess after the Wii came out and me just knowing that I needed to get this, especially to play the new Zelda. Um, I didn't know that I asked for it for Christmas, but it was so popular that, and I remember people had camped out for the first shipment uh, in that November of that year. I had no idea if I would get this on Christmas day. Also, it's like not, it wasn't a guarantee for me growing up as you heard that I would, like I got it. I didn't get a GameCube the year it came out. So I figured I might not get the Wii either, but 
may as well ask for it and see if I get lucky. That year, I did get lucky enough, and I found out this is like one of the coolest things that I remember. I remember uh, thinking just that this was so nice of him, but my dad camped out when the Wii was launched because my parents knew I wanted that. And he camped out at like a Toys R Us or a Best Buy and got me one on like a cold November night uh, on launch day. And I just shout out to my dad. That was really cool. My parents have always been, you know, maybe a little apprehensive about my uh, uh, my relationship with video games, the addiction that I have to like enjoying them and talking about them and stuff. But they were at least, they were always encouraging and knew I really cared about them. So that's that was like a really special thing to like get that Wii on Christmas Day. That was also like the virtual console launched, which is a new thing. So you could download old Nintendo games. I mean, you had to pay for them, of course, through the uh, the virtual console store, whatever it was called in the Wii. But I remember day one downloading Super Mario 64. I remember playing, like designing me's of my family and my sister and Eddie's family came over for Christmas that year. So I remember at making uh, me's with Alex and Eddie for themselves uh, uh, and playing this one game called Red Steel, which I remember, which was kind of a cool game where the Wiimote acted like a... I think your sword or the other one acted like your gun with a nunchuck. I don't remember. But the the Wii was really cool, and I remember thinking that was just uh, just such a special time, that whole Christmas break, obviously getting consumed by Twilight Princess mostly. Uh, yeah, that's all I had to share about the Wii. Uh, the next memory that I want to move on to is, uh, for different reasons, is Skyrim. Now, I didn't play Skyrim the year it came out, which was 2011. I played it the next year, 2012. Uh, if you've listened to me on this show or um, maybe a video games, a comedy show, or heard me just lament about uh, my uh, video game struggles, I, grew, growing up, never had anything that wasn't a Nintendo until um, in college, uh, going into my senior year, I bought an Xbox 360, the newer model, not the white model, but the, like the, not Chrome. I, there was the Chrome one, but I got the matte black Xbox 360, the second version. And I, it came with, uh, Fae, not Fable, sorry. It came with Skyrim. Um, and, but I eventually bought Fable 3 to play it on the 360. Um, anyway, uh, I remember playing some games. Uh, I remember playing Halo 4 on the Xbox 360 that year in 2012 uh, in, in my house. It was like a big thing we would do. But And it's a few of my friends even that I lived with, a few of my roommates, uh, they would play Skyrim before I did. I remember them going through that game and watching them play in the living room and being like, wow, this seems like a crazy open world that I'd love to visit. And finally... I, I was just really busy that fall. I got to do it that Christmas break. Uh, we had three weeks off in college, and so I was home for a long time. So I brought my Xbox with me, set it up in my old room at my parents' house. There's still a little TV in there at the time. And that Christmas break stands out for me or to me for several reasons. I re- it was basically completely consumed by three different activities, uh, and that was – uh, for the first time, watching Freaks and Geeks on Netflix, going through that whole season, uh, the I, I made a web series in college uh, called Decently Priced, which is about this like moderately like this neighborhood grocery store uh, that was more of like the chain dealing with the mom and pop grocery store around the corner. Um, but anyway, uh, is a little 
a little little comedy web series that we made, but we had a writer's room for it. Uh, for, so I remember we would meet on, I think it was Google Hangouts. I don't think we did Skype. I think we did Google Hangouts. And the 10 of us, I think it was 10 or maybe eight of us in the writer's room uh, would meet and just talk about the episodes and work on work on stuff for that upcoming season because we eventually shot it that spring of our senior year. Um, it was a part of a class project, but we we treated it uh, seriously and had a really good time with it overall. Um, but I remember just waking up. We had 8 a.m. meetings. We set, like, I don't know. It's such a funny thing to look back on. We took this so seriously, and it was, like, for this class, and everyone was, like, expected to be there. Um, I don't know how everyone's life, especially those of you who listen to this show, functions now, but, like, in my life in the improv world, people can be a little flaky and and bail on stuff, myself included. I think it's because we overwork ourselves and are involved in say yes to too many things. But this was like a thing that I remember there was one time that one person didn't show up to a writer's room meeting because they were obvious. I think it was like New Year's Day and they were rightfully hung over like the rest of us, but they were so badly hung over they didn't come. And it was like not a big deal, but we were like, wow, someone actually missed. But we had like uh, two meetings a week. So we had six meetings on Google Hangouts um, for the writer's room for Decently Priced. It was so silly. I'm I'm, pr- I'm sure everyone was really exhausted and annoyed with me and Johnny, my kosher runner. But, um, but shouts to all those people. I love everybody. I still keep in contact with pretty much everybody in that writer's room. It was, of course, Johnny Ando, my roommate and kosher runner. Uh, there was Kim Lowry, uh, Whitney Sherman, Devon Uy, Jonathan Sims, uh, Caleb Tuttle, uh, Zach Evans, Zach Shashinsky, and uh, oh gosh, there's one person I'm not remembering. Did I say Kelly Johnson? Shoot. I should have written everyone's name out. Anyway, shouts to all of them. And then the last thing, uh, as I'm rambling on about stuff that has nothing to do with video games, is Skyrim. Um Dove into Skyrim, fell in love with the game. I just had freaks and geeks on my laptop, Skyrim on the TV, and I was in heaven. Uh, it was amazing. I remember choosing a Nord as my first uh, race in Skyrim. I remember being like just totally in like bouncing back and forth between trying to use magic or trying to sneak around like a thief. Um but that was the first time I ever fell in love with that game. I played it so much after that. I did, I've done one playthrough since, and even recently I booted it up because I have have this like desire to kind of go back into that huge world, but I haven't. Uh, but anyways, uh, shout out to Skyrim. That was a Christmas break where I did that. And uh, for my last memory, finally, I've been, I know I've been rambling forever. I'm, I'm on to my last memory, my Connor's holiday special memory that I want to share. Uh, and this one, we're actually going to go a little farther back in time. This is one that I look on uh, super fondly. Uh, I don't know if it's any more meaningful to me than the rest, but I saved it for the last. So I probably do favor it a little bit. In 1998, uh, I was eight years old. I My birthday is November, so – and uh, long story short, I got a Nintendo 64 for that Christmas, uh, and it – was probably the like <laughs> the beginning of the end for me where I was fully in on video games. Like I kind of alluded to earlier, I didn't really have ownership over video games or a console growing up until the N64. I hadn't even like, I mean, I had a big gray Game Boy, the original one, 
but I wasn't like, it wasn't like I loved video games or was like actively seeking them out at the time. I, I think I played games like Tetris, uh, Bugs Bunny, Crazy Castle 2. Uh, I honestly don't even remember all the games that I used to play on that, but uh, we played the original NES, Mario Brother, all the Mario games. Um, like I remember playing the Goonies, Back to the Future, uh, a lot of licensed games now that I'm realizing it. Uh, uh, Bart, Bartman, which is a Simpsons game. Um, anyway, the N64, I got it for Christmas that year, and it was the first time I ever had a console that really felt like mine. And I fell in love with it. The whole reason I got this was because I must have, I'm, I remember, I don't remember when it was, uh, but I remember seeing Super Mario 64. Uh, a booth at Toys R Us, uh, one of those little demo booths where you could like play part of the game where they have it all hooked up to this like giant little tower, giant little tower. Great uh, communication and wording, Connor. Um, but I remember being seeing Mario in 3D, having loved playing Super Mario 3, 2, and the original, and knowing that I had to have it, which it's interesting to me because the game came out in 1996, as did the console, I want to say in like September of that year or August, but I didn't get one for two years. But I feel like it, so I'm, I'm truly thinking that I did not see this thing until this time. I, I don't think it's like my parents hid it from me, but if I would have seen this any earlier, I would have needed it. Um, but, uh, anyway, I got this on Christmas Day, the N64 that I got, of course, Back then, they came. The consoles came with two controllers, which seems like such a foreign thing now. You, you're lucky to get one. Um, but back then, uh, it came with two controllers. I got the. They all every game or N64 came with the gray controller, the three pronged weird thing with a joystick in the middle. You never knew where to put your hands. Uh, D pad on the side, buttons on the right, shoulder buttons for the for for the second time, and a trigger button. Um, I got the gray one, but the and I remember it was cool because you never knew what controller color you would get in yours. And I was like, ooh, maybe I'll get like red or yellow or blue. And the one I got was black, which is a cool color. Like most of the – a lot of the stuff I own is black because uh, it just always looks good. But I remember like wanting a colorful one and being like, black, that's just like dark gray and being a little disappointed – not disappointed, but being like, well, I'll deal with it. Um Eventually got a see-through uh, green one. Um, but that console came with uh, King Griffey Jr. Major League Baseball, which is a game I poured hours into. Of, uh, I don't know. I would have to like wo- like do my research on the like beginning of modern video game uh, – sorry, modern sports games in 3D ones. But this one was like pretty dang realistic and the controls were good. It felt like you could actually uh, – play the game and have control over what you're doing in a sports game, which was rare. Even like the good Super Nintendo and Genesis ones didn't always feel like that, especially in like a 3D world. And so this, I felt like, did a great job of that. And of course, the game that I fell in love with uh, was a game I also got on Christmas that day, which was Super Mario 64, one of my favorite games of all time, a game that is truly comfort food to me, replaying that game it just brings that not only even brings me back i've played that game so many times to where like i've probably erased over my memories my original memories of playing it because i've had so many other experiences um but it's a game that i have spent so many hours in and love love those love that world know it so well uh 
and just felt, like I said, I've said a million times, fell in love with it. I specifically, I even remember if you, if you go on the, uh, on our website, the call me by your game website at callmebyyourgame.com, there is a, I think it's raining outside. That's cool. A live pod break to recognize the rain. Um, I heard a lot of heavy drips. Anyway, I, uh, um, got a, uh, Super Mario 64 plushie that year. If you've been on our website, that's what I was getting to. Uh, you can see the little picture of me that Christmas holding up my Super Mario 64 plushie. You can tell it's that one from that game because it's got the winged cap. Um, yeah, that game is one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, and a funny memory of playing a game that year was... I remember it took me a long time to get eight stars so where you can go up and like fight Bowser for the first time. And I remember beating him. All you have to do is throw him on one bomb. My grandma Savage watching me play, which I probably dragged her in there to watch me. She probably didn't have interest in it, but she humored me in watching. And I remember beating Bowser and thinking that I beat the game and being like, I beat Super Mario 64. And my grandma, who truly never played video games like they had in NES, but it's really my grandpa who played, I think, like basically telling me, Connor, I don't think you beat the game. I think this is just the beginning, which if you haven't played that game, it is just the beginning. <laughs> and I wasn't even close to beating it. Uh, but that was a really special memory for me. Uh, and it's a game that uh, I uh, have on the last time I played it was probably on the Wii U virtual console, uh, but I'd love to revisit it. Uh, but yeah, that's my last memories getting that N64 for Christmas of 1998 and Super Mario 64, playing a bunch of Ken Griffey and also Star Wars Rogue Squadron. Um, but that'll do it. Uh, that was kind of just, you know, a, as you could tell, a rambling, ra my ramblings of some of my most special favorite holiday memories. Um, I'm sure you have, you have your own, uh, before we go, I want to give you some, uh, it's the holiday season. You're probably traveling. If you're looking to consume more video game content, you are looking for some recommendations as you're, whether you're, you know, visiting family, you're bored, you're traveling. Um, I've got some recs for you and some like really great video game content out there that is, I am completely, uh, unaffiliated with that. I just, uh, that I want to shout out that like I've been uh, like sinking time into um, first, if you are looking for podcasts, I always recommend uh, Retronauts. Uh, Retronauts is a retro video game podcast hosted by uh, Bob Mackey and Jeremy Parrish. They have a lot of really incredible people who go on that podcast and really who just know their stuff and also have such a passion for video games, uh, especially retro ones. Uh, I, I would recommend looking up like the Super Nintendo launch episode, Final Fantasy VI episode, their Chrono Trigger episode is great. Um, yeah, check them out. They are wonderful. I also want to recommend another um, video game podcast, Axe of the Blood God, and that is Axe like the weapon axe, A-X-E, not acts like an act you would do. So Axe of the Blood God is an RPG patio uh, cast, geez, <laughs> an RPG uh, audio podcast. Um, they This is hosted by Kat Bailey and, oh shoot, I really should know who else this is hosted by. Uh... Oh gosh, I'm so I, I, I've, I sometimes I'll write down notes to be prepared for this, uh, for like shouting people out and referencing stuff, and then I don't, and then when I don't do it, I feel bad. Uh, host podcast, geez. Oh, Nadia Oxford. I haven't even found it. It's 
It's Cap Alien and Nadia Oxford. They host that podcast. Jeremy Parrish and Bob Mackey are on that from Retronauts a bunch. But they dive into like um, not only what makes a video game uh, an RPG, but they dive in. They talk about the news with RPGs. They talk about all sorts of games. They do uh, certain video game highlights. But yeah, definitely check them out. They just did a, pl- a really cool uh, PlayStation original PlayStation 1 25 years uh, later podcast and how that console, what that console did for RPGs. Um, next, my next recommendation for you is Nintendo Cartridge Society. Uh, this is a podcast that is, that is one of my absolute favorites. I've been listening to them for two and a half years. It's host, hosted by Mark Mitchell and Patrick Ellers. They they have two episodes a week. On Tuesdays, they will do a little news episode and talk about what they've been playing. Then on Thursdays, they will usually have like a special episode, whether it's their recent uh, – like tournament that they did themselves which they determined the best uh nintendo music of all time they will sometimes they did a they've done some really cool zelda ranking episodes all sorts of stuff um but they do an incredible podcast these guys are so charismatic they are passionate they uh i feel like have really tempered uh not tempered i don't know i just like their takes on stuff i think they're even keeled they do their research and uh, they just seem like really great dudes and they've definitely inspired me to like make this show this year. So check out Nintendo Cartridge Society, anywhere you can get your podcast. Another one is Kane and Rince, a British retro video game deep dive podcast. Uh, another one is Indoor Kids, which is hosted by Kumail Nanjiani and Emily Gordon. Uh, they no longer do this podcast. It actually stopped, I think, in 2015. But I've recently went back and started listening to the beginning of the show, and it is wonderful. It's so cool to hear them talk about video games. I didn't know they were even big uh, gamers, but um, this podcast showed me that they are. Uh, that's all I have to share for podcasts. For YouTube stuff, I'll try to make this more brief than the podcast section. Uh, check out Gaming Historian on, on YouTube. Uh, a lot of these will speak for themselves. Uh, check out Metal Jesus Rocks. Uh, that's a podcast that this guy, uh, Metal Jesus, he it's a really cool show where he it's I feel like mostly what they focus on are like video game collecting and collections and favorite games uh definitely check them out they do a lot of retro stuff uh King K is another YouTube channel that's K-I-N-G-K uh that is a a podcast where this guy does these deep dive reviews onto like a lot of the best video games ever there's a lot of great Zelda ones there's a good Earthbound one um definitely check that out if you just want to see some of your favorite games talked about uh, check out Did You Know Gaming, probably self-explanatory, and then Resonant Arc, which do also do RPG deep dive reviews. Uh, but that's it for my recommendations. Um, and if you have any um, video game uh, holiday memories, please, uh, I'd love to actually hear about those. I'm I in my heart of hearts, I'd love to do a little video, a little mailbag companion episode to this that I would re- would release, you know, close to New Year's Day or after that, or maybe some other time, but. I might not. However, if you listen to the show and you want to share with me some of your like best holiday, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever video game memories, please do. You can email us at callmebyyourgame 
podcast at gmail.com. Um, this show is produced by Jeremy Schmidt. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Ocarina of Crime. Instagram is Jeremy Schmidt. Also listen to his wonderful show, Video Games, a comedy show. Um, we just did our end of the year uh, game awards uh, for that show. It is a delight and a highlight of this last year for me. So check it out, Video Games, a comedy show. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Connor underscore McCabe. Uh, check me out at the UCB Theater if you like improv comedy with the team Jet Set on Herald Night, uh, and visit our website at callmebyyourgame.com. Uh, and if you want to help out this show, uh, you are enjoying it, please uh, give us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast. Truly, it, it, it does not take very long. Uh, so if you are enjoying this and you want to, you have a second, you think about it, we'd love to hear from you on there. Uh, give us a rating and review and let us know what you're really enjoying. Um, second, or lastly, really, Thank you so much uh, to all of you who are listening to the show um, and who have been who have let me know that you've enjoyed it. Uh, this is something that I uh, has been such a joy and fun for me. I look forward to it every week. I love having people on and talking about what makes games special to them. Uh, the reception has been amazing. So ev- to everyone who has reached out to me, letting me know that they've been listening to everyone who has listened who has clicked a link who has maybe just given us one like and on instagram and done nothing else thank you so much it means the world um we have some amazing episodes lined up for you um in the spring um and we have more recordings that i'm excited about so please keep up with the show follow us on instagram at call me by your game pod and we will see you next time happy holidays everyone Thank you.